Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Categorically Romance podcast. I'm Aaron. And I'm Bree. And today we have a returning guest with us. We're so happy to have Sasha Summers back with us. Sasha, how has your 2020 been so far? Um, it's been iffy. Oh, 2022, <laughs> I was going to say. I'm focusing on the good stuff. Um, books, book-wise, it's been amazing. Um, I feel so honored every time I get a book out with Harlequin. I'm kind of like, holy cow, they're actually, they believe in me. What was it, the Sally Field thing? They like me. They really do. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's kind of where I am right now. Um, but, yeah, book-wise, this is a super exciting year. Um, and I'm just, I don't know, I'm kind of holding my breath right now since it was just you know, really stay, um, not two days ago. So yeah. 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 (laughs) Well, I was super excited when I was doing the scheduling stuff with you and you asked about any other book requests. So I jumped over to your website and I saw for the love of, (laughs) for the love of Hades on there. And, uh, I really just, I just freaked out because it was my first Hades and Persephone read. Uh, I just, it just was the first one that came to me when I was, searching Kindle and I just loved it so much. I loved the way yeah. you changed up the lore and stuff with like Hades lineage and everything. Yeah. And oh, it and, and that, okay. So I can't, I'm not going to try and pronounce his name. So the Greek King, how do you say his name? Erisikphon. Okay. And I'm I sure would, I'm butchering yeah. it. Yeah. I'm sure I can, <laughs> that's a different myth. And I just pulled it in. It's, you know, where he actually okay. cuts down. Yeah. Athena's. So, um, so I was kind of like, okay, I can kind of fold this in and, um, and I love to hate him. And it was, you know, his whole death was really gruesome, very different from what I'm writing right, right now, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I love, I love paranormal and I have, you know, that series isn't finished yet. And then I have, yeah, eventually maybe I'll get back there. But right now we're in, you know, small town romance, but it makes me feel so good because those books, the Medusa and Hades are like two of my all time favorites that I've written. So it makes me so happy to know that you enjoyed them. Oh yes. Enjoy them very much. I, I'm rereading <laughs> it again already. So as, as soon as I yeah. got it and I, and I keep flipping back to, to your little message to me in the front and, and just, <laughs> just swooning a bit. <laughs> the message I got was like, I just realized like, this is the Sasha Summers that wrote the first Hades <laughs> I was like, I love when we can make that connection. <laughs> no, that's awesome. I, there was another girl on um, on Facebook and she was kind of going on and we were talking about, um, and it was just a different reader group and I was just participating as me. Um, and uh, she was going on about some of her favorite books and, um, and one of my other friends was in the room. She's like, well, you know, you should try out Sasha's because she actually wrote For the Love of Hades. And all caps, shut up. I read that book every Valentine's Day. I didn't know you were the same person. I was like, oh my gosh, this is so funny. But it becomes such a kind of, you know, contemporary romance that if you don't read that, go back, it's it's not really front and center anymore. So that was yeah. like every Valentine's Day, really. And she's yeah. Like, yep. and I was like, oh. That's amazing. That, so, is, um, that yeah. is great. That's the dream right there. It That's is, the right? dream. <laughs> well, like you said earlier, you have been very busy so far this year. You had a short story in Something Blue Anthology. You have The Sweetest Thing and The Rancher's Full House releasing with special edition. Can you share with us how you've celebrated your work this year? I can. Um, so Something Blue, I was I was going through a lot of stuff with my dad, um, so I wasn't really able to celebrate that. But um, this week, me and some girlfriends went out to Maggiano's and had peach bellinis and a yummy dinner and celebrated both The Sweetest Thing and The Rancher's Full House. And it was, it was just perfect. It was delightful. We had a good time. 
you know, quiet, but, um, but just because we don't get together a lot. I, I don't know about you guys, but we still are kind of, you know, every once in a while, we don't get together frequently, yeah. frequently. So yeah. just seeing them and talking books and peach bellinis, you know, you can't go wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so it was lovely. It was really lovely. And then my editor sent me flowers because she's the best editor in the entire universe. Um, oh, so yeah, great. it's been very nice. That's so sweet. <laughs> <laughs> I just have to say, like, I love seeing the photos of authors out and about. I mean, I'm on like the far west side of the city. So when I see photos of like you and Terry Wilson (laughs) or McKenna Lee, I'm like, oh man, like I just love that they're out and about together because it really does. Like it's nice to know that like our authors aren't alone. Like they have a community of people. Yeah, definitely. Um, That's another thing I think Carlequin is so great about is that they have um, online and other resources. So you're really a community with them. And I treasure that because especially during, you know, the shutdown when we were also isolated, mm-hmm. you weren't completely alone. And that's a great feeling. Kind of like, I'm sure you guys, you guys can get on and talk to each other. And it's just that bond that keeps you a little sane, should I say? Um, you know, yeah, just to yes. interact with people also. <laughs> um, definitely. Definitely. Well, congratulations on The Sweetest Thing. We're going to talk about it first. Can you share with our listeners what the book is about? Sure. Um, I'm not good at elevator pitches, so chances are I'll ramble and I will apologize now. <laughs> Spoiler alert, everybody just go buy the book and read it, but yeah. <laughs> here she is. <laughs> it's very much um, an enemies to lovers, which I had a lot of fun with. Um, and then it was kind of one of those things where, you know, right now I think everyone's looking for something slightly different, right? I mean, I think that's always the case. You don't want a same kind of routine-ish vibe. So I was like, okay, what kind of element can I bring? You know, I'd already done kind of a contemporary um, high drama country western thing and I didn't want it to be that because that's like soap opera drama so okay and I love small town and um bees have always just been kind of fascinating to me so I was like you know that's really relevant right now so many people are doing you know um urban beekeeping in their backyard and Erica Thompson I don't know if she's like the beekeeper out of Austin who's like the most gorgeous woman in the world who does everything without a bee suit so um I don't recommend that I will say, I don't recommend that. Probably won't try that. I'm kind of like, she's got to have some kind of nerve damage so she doesn't feel like, because I mean, you know, they sting, they're bees, you know? Um, They don't mean to be mean, but if they feel- They're doing their bee thing, okay? Exactly, exactly. Um, So it's like, okay, so what if we do this? Um, And they, thank goodness, they love the idea because it is relevant. Um, And so I tried to- I have taken classes. I have gone to bee farms. I have done online courses. Um, so, you know, my husband actually bought me a hive. So hopefully we'll be getting our bees soon. I'm so excited. Um, so cool. But it was just kind of this natural coming together of, okay, this is relevant. You can totally go with a big family because you know me. I like writing big families. To me, that's important. Um, and it's longer. So you can dip in and, and kind of explore some of the, the extra family members. Um, and of course, y'all, this was a chance for me to use my hero as the hero because I was like, okay, Dane Knudsen is clearly going to have some kind of Viking Nordish roots. Therefore, he has to be Chris Hemsworth. Um, <laughs> so, um, so that made it writing, writing it even more fun, right? Because I'm like, oh, what would he do? And how would he look? <laughs> I don't have an obsession. It's totally healthy. Um, but it, yeah. was so, it was so much fun. It was just, it was a lot of fun. Um, and I loved the back and forth between the two of them. I mean, I know sometimes it got a little much, but I was giggling the whole time I wrote it. I, I've had a couple of reviews where they're like, I just wanted to reach it and slap them, but it was fun. And I was like, exactly. That's that's exactly right. Yes. <laughs> that's what I was yes. going for. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the best parts. Exactly. 
Uh, well, I was going to ask, uh, can you take us back to visiting the bee farm and expand on that a little more for us, please? Yes, 100%. So the first class I took was here locally. Um, and it's a woman who works through the Texas Ag Extension Agency. And so she, oh my goodness, y'all, she just had it down. We all had to sign, you know, release forms, obviously. And we all suited up and we went out there. And my daughter was so cute. She was like, I'll come and take pictures. As soon as she walked up, Molly was like, put a suit on. And so she was like, oh, so she actually came out and did everything too. But um, it was so exciting just to kind of open the hive and you're pulling out the frames and you're looking for the, the babies versus the honey and looking for mites, which is a terrible problem. Um, So it just kind of piqued my interest, right? Because it was just a one day little thing. Um, And I took her classes online. She offered two classes online. And then I um, registered, <laughs> took it a little far. I joined the Texas Beekeepers Association and found out that they had this big conference um, in Galveston. So my daughter and I went to the conference. Oh my gosh, we had so much fun. Um, Charlie B, who this is just a, a plug for him. He um, is a native Texan beekeeper and he raps y'all and it's hysterical. So he was there and I was like, Oh, this I'm taking so crazy. Characters and things that were said. And I'm like, Oh, okay. I'm just going to sit here and be quiet. It was amazing. Um, and then after that, I met this woman, Laura um, Weaver, and she is the wife of the man who's their oldest um, functioning long-term uh, honey, family honey farm in Texas, in Navasota. And I was like, well, let's just go. Oh my gosh. From the VRBO, it's, they turn their honey house, which is where you go in and you put all the frames into a big extractor and it spins kind of like a centrifuge. They had turned the upstairs into a loft and it was like luxury city. I mean, it was insane. I just kept walking around going, I'm not going home. This is it. This is where I'm going to live. It was gorgeous. At the same time, you know, you go out there and there's a mead place next door. They also own a mead place. So there's all yeah. this amazing like custom mead options. And Roosevelt, who is totally um, Birmingham in my books, um, and then he mentioned him a little bit in this one. Um, this man has been working with bees since he's 19 years old and he's been doing it for 50 years. So that should tell you how old he is. And I put a couple of videos of him up on TikTok and I think Instagram because he was just, he's just, I don't know, you, you could sit down with him and you could just drink tea all afternoon and he would just ooze and love about bees. And, but he's very no nonsense. And I really, I don't know, there's something about talking with someone who's passionate, you know what I mean? That just fuels that even more. So um, I'm actually going to have a book signing out there. Um, we talked, we were talking about it. So I'll go out there. Um, they do this big infused, it's like honey recipe cook-off kind of thing. Um, so that's in September. So I said, yes, I would love to be there. So um, be, no, you know, I'll be the bee. So I'm excited. <laughs> but it's a great community. And if anyone is considering doing, um, you know, beekeeping, urban beekeeping, or just helping out, all you have to do is go to like your local agriculture extension and most of them will list it because, you know, the bees need our help. So yeah. just throwing that out there. <laughs> well, kind of expanding on that, I mean, was it, I guess it's a two-parter. Was it something you were interested in before the book? Like what caught your attention? And then from the experience of writing the book and doing the research, like you really immersed yourself in that world and learned so much. Like what do people not know that you feel like they should know? Okay. One of the key things that I think has been kind of, it, it's, you know, it's pretty devastating, but um, you know, a worker bee, and we're talking, they don't live very long. Their lifespans are pretty, pretty short. Um, and in Texas, even shorter because of the heat, obviously. Um, but they will only make like an eighth to a quarter of a teaspoon of honey in their whole life. So when you're eating your honey, I mean, it's been like a labor of love. They work yeah. nonstop <laughs> all the time. 
Um, so I think just, again, the idea that that is all they do, literally, y'all, they have no vacation days. There's no mistakes yeah. that comes in. And, you know, I mean, they are just, that's it. They come out and they're going the entire time. Um, and also, I think that what I thought was kind of funny um, was that, so, you know, they, they forage all spring and try and save as much honey as they can. And she's laying eggs for forever. Side note, interesting fact. She comes out. She goes on a flight. She meets up with her boys one time. <laughs> one and, time. Huh, one time. And we're talking, you know, a couple of dozen dudes coming home and she never mates again. She can live for three to five years and she's continuing to lay eggs from that one outing. Oh my God. Amazing. Millions, well, thousands of eggs. So I was kind of like, huh, is a good thing? Is this, I don't know. But what's funny is the same little guys that are out there flying around, the drones, and she's, they're very good about not, um, they won't breed with those from their own hive, which is, again, Mm -hmm. so cool that they can know, you know, okay, you're not my, you're not my peeps. But um, when it gets to the point where food is getting lower, um, they will kick all of those drones, all of the males out of the hive and just like knock them off the board and they can just die. (laughs) Because they need the honey for like the worker bees and the babies and these guys do nothing. So you're out of here. And I just think that's hysterical. I mean, there's video of them like shoving them out the little crack and they're like, no. And it's it's horrible, but they truly do nothing. They do nothing. They don't go out and get stuff from the flowers. They just are there to lollygag with the ladies. Um, so it's pretty funny. But okay, I mean, the paranormal so romance reader in yes, me is I, like, yes, somebody's right. going to make this a paranormal romance, and I can't like, wait. Okay, would a bee shifter be too weird? I'm pretty sure it would be, but I mean, it's like, it's just, you know, I don't maybe think we so. need to have a goddess that like controls the bees. I don't know. I know there's it's just there's so much, y'all. It's just a completely different world. Um, um, it's amazing. And and that's the other thing, the community of beekeepers that I've been talking to, also great, also supportive. Um, so I feel very lucky to have, you know, people that know what they're talking about while I'm still learning, helping me. Well, rivals to lovers or enemies to lovers goes just so well with the story like Tansy and Danes. And it's even more fun that their rivalry dates back to high school days. Yeah. It's not like <laughs> they meet and just don't hit it off. Like it goes back. So what do you enjoy about writing the rivals to lovers trope? And does the built-in chemistry make it easier or a little bit more difficult to write? I think if the, you know, the gripe between them is something that was emotional enough, you know, because I mean, yes, they could have sat down and had a conversation, but you know, those those two characters, they're not ever going to sit down and listen to the other one. So it's not something that they can just fix right away because it was grounded in that teen angst. And as we know, when we're teenagers, it's like, oh my gosh. So it made sense to me to go ahead and let this be one of those things. And with already having the family rivalry, they would never talk it out, right? So this was kind of forcing them into a situation where they had to work together. Um, Didn't like it, but at the same time, loved being able to pick on each other until the other one was like ready to pop. So I, I think enemies to lovers can be one of the most fulfilling um, genres because of that. If you make sure that that conflict is somehow, you know, rooted in pride, because that's a big factor, or the family name, um, or something's on the line, like in this story with the honeys being able to, the farms being able to survive. I think that that kind of both of them, especially in my story, um, have to change. Now, I think that Tansy does more of the changing. And I love that because it's always put on the guy. And I was like, okay. Um, But in the end, she realizes that she wasn't giving as much as he was. Um, And so I loved that scene. I loved um, having her have to fix stuff. Um, but yeah, I think it, um, enemies to lovers, it's just that kind of, you know, that whole, you irritate me so much and you were so under my skin and I really hate you, but oh, you're pretty and go ahead and kiss me. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like that whole kind of all at once. Um, but so I still I think don't like you at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> right. oh, I 
gosh, we just kissed. Go away. Oh my gosh, that kiss was amazing. You know, I mean, <laughs> one more time, and that's it. Yes. <laughs> it's never happening again the next day. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. Um, so I love enemies to lovers. It's just, it's fun. I mean, friends to lovers is great. All of the genres. It's just about the characters fitting. And I'm one of those weird authors who lets her characters lead. I know that doesn't make a lot of sense, but for me, it just made sense that they did not like each other, and yet they totally were checking each other out all the time. You know, so. Um, Mm -hmm. Family is a huge deal in the book. It has everything from the farms being family run to Tansy's hilarious aunts to Dane's teenage brother who's having a hard time. How did you balance the inclusion of family with the romance? That's actually my favorite thing to do. Um, you know, with the category novels, I love writing category novels. It's it's wonderful, but you can't, you know, if you get a word restraint, so you can't kind of get as deep necessarily without it being just so in, infused with that that you're missing a little bit of the romance. But in this kind of situation, you have enough time to really be able to develop all of the characters. And I think that for me, I knew I wanted these women to be strong women. Um, and the only way that they're really, they're strong because they're a unit. You know, they, they are a team and they fiercely advocate and believe in one another. And so no matter what they go through, um, you know, they can be each other's sounding board. So the idea of not having this kind of crew, you know, the ants were just immediately there. I mean, I could totally see, you know, Camellia as kind of like five, three on the rounder side, always in an apron, giving food at people, playing with recipes, very, you know, the, the person when you come in, you're like, oh, what's wrong, darling? Whereas Mags was this tall, skinny, kind of prim, you know, you can take care of it on your own. Don't harp on it. Just do it. You know what I mean? Very much yeah. opposite, <laughs> but they just, they are yin and yang. Um, so they kind of helped me think about where the girls would kind of be and how they would have turned out since their parents, you know, both passed when they were younger. Um, and it just, it just came together. And that's the best way with Dane. Um, I have two boys and I, I, you know, I love watching their relationship. Sometimes I don't like watching it, but sometimes I do. Um, and so that, 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 brother code, you know, um, even though Dane is much older than Lee, he really, um, it's that I'm so frustrated with you. But at the same time, I know you're young, and I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt when so many other people have already written him off as this troubled kid. Um, and if he was a troubled kid, guess what? He has a good reason. You know, you can't yeah. raise yourself. So um, so he was great. Um, and a lot of the angst definitely could pull from from my boys. Um, but I just, they all kind of became, I mean, Van, I love Van Kettner and I love Willa Dean, even though I love to hate Willa Dean, right? Um, all of the characters just kind of came really fully formed, which makes it so much easier to write. They just seem to fit. You know, there wasn't That's anyone awesome. that I was like, no, nah, I don't need this person. Um, so I'm hoping that the book will do well enough that I can continue to expand with the, because there's so many characters. Um, yes. Yeah. yeah. Let's, let's hope. You know, my, our fingers are crossed. We're pre-ordering the next book already. Okay, because yes. we're almost going to happen. That cover is exquisite. I don't know if you've seen the cover for the second book, but I like gasped when they sent it to yeah. me. As we stated at the beginning, you've been a busy woman. So <laughs> the sweetest thing is out. And your next book is out as of today when we're recording this, The Rancher's Full House. It's your July special edition. So yes. anyone who shops on the Harlequin website, like we do, it's it's there. It's been there. So and it's a cute cover. Oh my gosh. And it's an adorable mm. cover. So cute. And okay, so this is the romance between Buzz Lafferty and Jenna Morris that begins with a kitten rescue meet cute. And mm -hmm. I say kitten in quotations because it's actually a bobcat. Um <laughs> 
it's a sweet scene that shows how both how really kind both of the characters are. So where did the idea for the meet cute come from? Well, I um I worked for Texas A&M University's veterinary hospital for years when my husband was going to school. And the stories that I have from working there, I mean, half of them people probably wouldn't believe, but um we had a bobcat brought in and it, it's actually there's a similar not similar scene, but there's another bobcat reference because it was such a big deal when we worked there. Um this woman had thought she had killed a bobcat and she put it in her car oh no in the back seat not in anything else and drove it to the emergency clinic where it proceeded to wake up and give her a not so nice scratch on her arm and refused to get out of her car. And then, of course, when the vet students went out, not being, you know, prepared for a bobcat, you know, um, he jumped out and went under the car. And so it was this whole trying to get the catch pole. And they, they did. They were great. And it was fine. And it was actually one of the most beautiful little kitties I've ever seen. They had these huge blue eyes. Um, but his just his paw had been kind of munched. So I already kind of had an affinity for bobcats and the idea, because if you see them when they're little, they really do look a lot like kittens. And I was like, well, if she's not from the area and she sees this kitten kind of limping and she is obviously this maternal person who takes people in, um, she would totally stop. Um, and in a bed of fire ants with, you know, all this like, you know, <laughs> stuff around her that she's completely oblivious to. Um, so I had more fun. And then from Buzz's perspective, you know, he's always been kind of the joker leading up to this in the, in the series, kind of, I don't know, really quick with his little comebacks. And he's, as we learn in this book, has not had the best romantic history. So here's this single woman that he doesn't recognize because, you know, Granite Falls is not huge, but she's crawling around on the side of the highway. And so he's a little concerned. <laughs> so him talking to his dogs is one of my favorite bits where he's like, what should we do? You know, because it's like, yeah. this is weird. So they were really easy to write. Um, they just had a natural spark for me and the whole concept of him being anti-kids, you know, 100% um, because of what had happened to his, him and his past. And her, I mean, you know, she was jilted by her fiance because she had to she had to take in her four um, step siblings. I mean, where else were they going to go, right? It, it really is a, of course she was going to. Um, but he was not prepared for four children. So she was jilted. And now she's having to start over, all over again. Um, and there's all these dangerous things around her, bobcats. And, you know, it's it's a lot snakes. of snakes. <laughs> yes, the snakes. I just, and those kids were just so much fun. I love writing kids. I really, really do. Probably because I had a gazillion of them. But um, they just really help, you know, add to the conflict between the two of them at the same time they bring them together you know so it's kind of this fun you know back and forth but it's it's that's a lot of fun to write like i said i love kids and biddy the baby oh my gosh so cute yeah so yeah well what inspired the choice to write jenna as a single older sibling taking care of her younger siblings rather than making her their single mother well i think that part of it is i knew that i wanted the age range and she was a little young i mean i don't i think it would have had to have been like 10 to have you know her eldest sibling um and i i thought that was really important because for buzz sake just to you know torment him a little bit more you want that full age range because then you've got to deal with all of it and I really wanted to challenge him and um I just think that there's again that sibling bond that can be a little different than a mother daughter right yeah. as a sibling you're you're still trying to be cool um still trying to be relevant without being too bossy and Jenna's trying really hard to balance that line but um but yeah so I think that was it and and there's a lot of single mom books too and I thought it would be kind of cool to mix it up a little bit and she's a teacher your daughter's a teacher so yes, was that where the inspiration oh, came from? Yes, okay. A hundred percent. Yes. A hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. And, and I think it just worked too. Again, that whole nursing, lots of kids, yeah. it's part of her life. You know, he's like, no. So yeah. 
<laughs> well, I, lo- I loved it as I'm wrapping Aww. up my teaching certification now. And I was like, oh, Yay! you don't see teacher heroines that much anymore. <laughs> so. And right now they are truly heroines. Seriously. Yes. I, I applaud anyone who is in the classroom because goodness, if it was hard it's before. Rough. Yes. So good on you, girl. Right yeah. <laughs> well, in the book, so we quickly <laughs> learned, you kind of touched on this, but When it comes to dating, Buzz chooses to not date women with kids. And you gave him a very honest um, and real reason as to why. And it's you you just can't not appreciate the honesty. So can you talk about writing this part of his character? Sure, sure. Um, I think that, um, you know, I think most people, and it's common, right? We want to protect our hearts. And I think that there's this big man who's always very kind of out there and the comedic relief, right? Because he tries to keep things light. I think to have fallen in love with not just this woman, but her two children was a huge unexpected thing for him, right? But it was real. And I mean, Bez is just a good man. He's a salt of the earth man. And so he loved her and he loved her kids. And that was it. So when she's like, I'm out of here, I'm done. He wasn't just losing this woman, but he loved. But honestly, I think it was the kids. It was that unit of having a family um, to lose those babies just broke him. And being the man that he was, he couldn't go around and moan about it and, you know, complain and cry. He had to just keep going. But I think it's constantly been eating at him on the inside. Um, And so the challenge of seeing the potential with Jenna and her her siblings, but knowing that the potential could actually be more devastating than the first time. Um, I just felt for him. I really did. I really wanted him to, you know, just be like, it's okay, it's going to work out. But, um, you know, I understood that it would have been really, really hard to just jump in, you know, because again, it's not just Jenna. And and so for him, it's kind of like, I don't know if I can do this. And it took a while, but when he finally comes around, um, it's lovely. I think, I think he's a really, he's a good guy. I like to write good men. I guess I don't write alpha men unless I'm writing um, paranormal. <laughs> and then they're all really alpha. But in contemporary, I try to keep my guys, you know, just guys, you know, they're not, they're just people. They're relatable people that have issues. Um, I mean, they're manly men, obviously. And beautiful to look at, right? Because of course, but I still want to keep it real, you know? Yeah. I'm glad that came across as real. Well, I mean, I don't want to spoil it, obviously, but like the scene when she walks into the clinic with her siblings, he is a good guy, but the like awkward, it hits him like a truck, like, oh man, she has kids. (laughs) (laughs) Just feel for him because you're like, oh no, this is a deal breaker for him. But like, I I really am feeling this lady. And then here she walks in with like my hard no. You know, there's four of them. Yep. And they're all loud and they're all asking him questions. And I love he and Garrett. Oh my gosh. They were so precious that um, he and the little boy that's all into science. Um, but then the teenage sister, Monica, I love the dinner scene when she clears all the, sh- the chairs out. I mean, you know, they're just, they're a lot of fun. They're good. Yeah. They're good fun. Well, even with all they've lost, Jenna's siblings truly want to see their big sister happy. And it's through the scenes with the siblings that we learn so much about Jenna. Uh, we'd love to hear you talk about moving the romance along through the help of side characters. Oh, definitely. Um, well, you know, I think that in this story, they feel bad. They feel responsible for what has happened to Jenna, you know, and, and how, and they've all been through it, my goodness. Um, so they're all kind of wounded. But the fact that then, I can't remember his name, but they all, you know, call him a jerk and everything else. The guy that had Hugh the Pooh. Hugh, Hugh the, the Pooh. Pooh. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> 
So they didn't like him, right? They knew. And kids, kids know. They do. They're just a better judge of, of adults. I'm sorry. They are. Um, They're very they, honest. Yeah. <laughs> and that makes it so much more fun to write, right? Because adults can't say the things that kids yeah. can say. Um, but I think they felt responsible for her losing Poo, and they wanted to somehow make her feel um, less lonely. And really, she had realized by, by the time she's moving that she didn't want him anymore because what kind of guy, you know, does that? Um, but they take it on. And I don't think, you know, obviously Betty, the baby, she has no clue. She's just adorable. But um, the two older kiddos definitely go out of their way to find ways to recommend best to her or to, you know, we need to go to the, the, the clinic. And obviously, um, uh, Garrett, the little boy, and finding the dog in the clinic, that was another great way to keep them together and visiting regularly and all that kind of stuff. So it's the little things like, again, the older sister um, who is addicted to watching online reality, um, like cook-up shows, she clears out the kitchen except for two chairs one night, and, you know, very subtle, right? For the two yeah. of them, <laughs> that kind of stuff. And I just thought that it was cute and real, um, but hysterical because how awkward is that, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, and they both take it really well, even when uh, I think it's, um, Franny comes in and she's like, we're all the chairs, you know? <laughs> And she's like, what's happening? The, <laughs> the, all the, the child <laughs> matchmaking is always just so fun. Yeah. So <laughs> it is a fun matchmaking romance yeah. as well. Yeah. <laughs> well, are you ready to get into some round out questions? Yes. Go for it. Fire okay, away. So last time we asked you who your teenage celebrity crush was mm-hmm. today. Tell us one of your teenage obsessions. I, I guess, and this is going to sound really, really weird, but I didn't have my ears pierced yet when I was a teenager. I was like the person that held out. And so I got obsessed with these like big, you know, I hadn't done it yet, but I knew all of the earrings I was going to get. And so I like was saving all my babysitting money and I was already buying all these amazing, like ridiculous, right? Guess what? I have a metal allergy. So I had all this stuff when I finally went to get it. I was like, why are my ears green? (laughs) The heartache. Well, my daughter has just as big, like she adores like clunky jewelry and thankfully she can wear them. So I was like, I should have kept all of those from the 80s. They would have been retro now, but oh yeah. So it was a very sad day. It was a very, I was so excited. And then it was like, oh no, this is bad. When your obsession lets you down. (laughs) Big time. Yes. <laughs> what was the last song to get stuck in your head? Um, it's been in the world, y'all. I'm sorry. It was Abba's Honey, Honey. <laughs> I was assuming it was going to be something B-related. I'm trying to do the TikTok thing, which I'm just, I think I'm just too old. I think I'm past, I think I'm aged out of that. I don't know. I'm not I'm really trying. into it that much either, so... Well, and it's like, you know, the publisher sending me training because obviously they feel like it's a good potential for stuff. And so I want to try. But every time I look at a video of myself and there's like maybe five, um, I'm just like, oh, no, this is no. I can watch it all day. But I think creatively, I'm just like, I I feel like my ship has sailed. I just cannot figure it out. One of my other publishers literally looked at me and she's like, yeah, you're too old. And I was like, okay, yay. But then this publisher's like, no, no, you need to take the training and be yourself. And I'm like, you know, the fact one? that there is TikTok training. Just- right. Yeah. Oh, y'all. And it's hysterical because it's all women my age or older. And we're all kind of like, what? What do you mean? What's that? What is what is the dual thing? What is the split? What? So yeah, I'm sure they're all like when it's over, they, yeah, why are we doing this? This is not, oh you know, gosh. but who knows? Some people are so successful. Um, I don't 
think I'm going to be one of those, but that's okay. I find it really interesting because obviously as an author, you have these, you have put all this work into these incredible books and you want to reach as many people as possible. Mm -hmm. So it is smart to be there. But like when it's coming from a, from the publisher, like how is that? I guess I want to know, like, how is that conversation being had? Because Um, if it's, if it's, not a space you're comfortable with doing, mm-hmm. but there's also that fear of like, well, what if I miss some readers and by exactly. not being out there? Exactly. So the way they did it, I mean, they were totally very sweet and supportive, but they would just send out these emails saying, okay, we're going to have this training on this in such a day. So it wasn't like, mm-hmm. you know, and then they were like highly encouraged. It will be recorded. So if you miss the live, you can still watch it, you know, and so it was very much a, <laughs> and this is where it will be. You know what I mean? It was like, okay. And then there are the slides so that you can review them before. So it was very much a take this now. And so, you know, we we did. And and it was very interesting. I mean, truly. But some of this stuff, I just, you know, everyone has always said pick a platform. Well, up until now, um, pick a platform where you feel the most comfortable. And I feel pretty good on Instagram and I feel pretty good on Facebook. Um, and I know that Facebook is not reaching a lot of the newer readers. And so they're trying to help that. I get the whole logic behind it. But I just feel really... Um, I don't know, awkward, like, like, look at me, look at me, you know what I mean? It's a different kind of thing. And because they really do, it does better if your face is there and you're doing a video versus just throwing stuff up. So that means I get to be me on camera. And you guys can see me right now. I make over exaggeration. You know, my kids have always made fun of me. I talk with my hands. (laughs) I have wrinkles because I use every muscle in my face. You know what I mean? It's not, it's, um, so I was like, okay, I will try, but it's definitely something that, um, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. There was one of the trainers, wonderful guy um, who I posted stuff. And so he's gone out and said, okay, next time do this and next time do that. And it all makes sense. But again, I'm like, you know, because they're saying you need to post multiple times a day. I'm like, you're lucky if you get one thing out of me every three days, you know? So Mm -hmm. we'll see. We'll see. It just seems like, like, it feels like as a reader and as as with us like reading and talking about books and kind and keeping up with you all it just seems like it's your life is a full-time job at this point of like oh my god you writing right. and being on to talk about your books somewhere yeah. I'm like but when do you write and when do you read well that's the thing that I have definitely sacrificed a lot of this year and it's made me sad because there have been so many great books come out that are on my Kindle but it's like I just I will open it and it's like oh wait I should have done this you know kind of thing um yeah. so yeah it is a little frustrating um but it, you know, when you know you have a book that needs to do well, this was thing, I really want it to get out there. And so they tell me, try this. I'm yeah. I'm not going to bed until two or three. That's okay. <laughs> Next year, right? I don't know. Right, right. right. <laughs> Next summer, I'll get some sleep. Well, I'm sure at some point you have to eat during the day. So if you mm-hmm. decide you wanted takeout for dinner tonight, where uh-huh. would you order from and what would be your order? Okay. My sweet husband just walked in and put a bag on the table for me. And it was from La Madeleine. And I'll bet you money it's the chicken friand and the Caesar salad because that's what I live from there. He didn't even ask. He just walked in and put it on the table. Oh. So Romance hero. Yes. Okay. Your oh, husband is yeah. one... <laughs> On the top TCR pod. <laughs> Romance yeah. Hero Award of the Year. <laughs> 100%. Yeah, no, when I was visiting, my dad was ill for a long time, so I would have to go and stay with him. And he would send me pictures of the dogs because he knew I would miss my girls, right? And then I went to the honey farm for the weekend and I came home and he had cleared out this whole area. We had some big dead um, bushes against the garage so that I could put my hive there. Oh, I didn't ask him to do any of this. Yeah. He's just a man. He really is. I mean, I've had him <laughs> since I was 14, so I know I'm very lucky. But yeah. um. He just gets better with age. He does. Um, hey, it's easy to write romance when you live with someone like that, right? Yeah. So, yeah. 
Aww. Just quietly sets down food and, you know. <laughs> well, I know you said that you haven't gotten to as much reading as you'd like, but what was one of your most, one of your recent unputdownable reads? So um, my daughter-in-law, she was like, you know, would you do a book club with me? And I was like, I mean, you don't say no, right? It's like your daughter-in-law. And it's like bonding, bonding. Um, and she was like, would you read um, A Court of Thorns and Roses? Okay. I'm on book three. I mean, that's one of those books where I'm like, um, you know, I, I would start and it's like, oh, I need to go to sleep. And I was like, mm, no, I'm just going to read. And so those were, I admit, those books have helped me lose a couple of um, nights sleep and they're well worth it. I'm on book three and I've had to set it aside because I have a deadline, but I'm like, you know, it's on your phone, right? It's right yeah. there. I'm like, mm-hmm. no, don't do it. You know, so um, just brilliant world, world making. Um, I just have really enjoyed. And again, when I'm writing like contemporary, I don't want to read contemporary. Does that make sense? You know, you yeah. want to have a different, mm-hmm. and boy, you can get more um, distance than with this series. And just again, really well-written. I love, and I get why it's such a, a fandom, um, just because it's so well-drawn. Well, well done, very much so. Well, tell us one of the toughest pieces of advice you've ever received. In general or about writing? <laughs> in, gen- in general. In general, writing, it's yeah. your show. You tell us whatever comes to mind. <laughs> Well, um, I think the whole thing about, you know, dream big, you know, is always a great thing, but you kind of have to follow it up with and do the work. Mm-hmm. And because dreams are wonderful and everyone should have them and everyone should like dig in and hold on to them and make them big and special and wonderful. But they also have to come up with a plan to make it happen. Um, I have, you know, one of my sons is really trying to be invested into gaming and I see the hours that he's putting into it. And I, it makes me proud of him because if you're just going to sit there and say, oh, I'm going to do this someday. And then you're not doing anything anything, you know, researching it, you're not, you know, um, I think that that can lead to disillusionment, because even though a dream is kind of a vague concept, if you will, it's out there in the ether, um, you can turn it into a reality if you work hard enough. Um, now, I don't know how much more I can do to get myself in front of Oprah Winfrey, but I'm going to keep trying because that's one of my dreams. Just going to throw that out there. Yeah. Same. I don't know how it's going to happen at this point. But <laughs> yep. I'm just going to walk on the set. <laughs> right. I'm going to walk on her set one day okay. and be like, I'm here and we're going to talk. Oh. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> so if any of our listeners have a line on Oprah, just send a, yeah. send her people our way. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I would be very, very thankful. <laughs> Knowing what you know now, what advice would you give yourself at the beginning of your career? Um, there are a couple of things I would say. Um, and I, I try to teach writing classes because I really feel like um, it's my job as someone who was by no means, you know, a sick, quote unquote, recognizable name, but someone who has had a decent amount of books out that I could, you know, help them. And one of the things that I always tell my class is if any author is talking to you in absolutes, don't listen, because okay. there is no right or wrong way to write. And if you want to write, then you do it how it works for you. How are you going to produce this stuff? Then do that. I'm the whole thing about getting, you know, a thicker skin. It's hard. I remember my first book was my baby and the idea that I was going to have to change these things was just cataclysmic, but they were so right and so spot on. So, you know, criticism is not 
a way to cut you down, hi little baby. It's a way to make you um, better, you know. And if an editor has been doing it for a very long time, then then they're gonna know, right? So are you feeling safe? I, yeah. We um, have cute dog action at the moment, listeners, and we are gonna keep this in so that we can remember this moment because hello. <laughs> this is Raven. This is my my monster baby girl. Um, but yeah, I think that that and then again, just not giving up because it it can take a while. You can have some bad critiques. You can have some bad um, experiences with different kinds of presses and publishing houses, agents even. Um, but if you keep at it, really, um, you'll find your way. You will. There's room for everybody. We're not competing. You know, we're all on the same team. We love books. We write books and we read books and we want to make sure our friends get the word out too. So um, yeah, it's just a patience, patience, um, perseverance, hard work. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> And I would say have, you know, you talked to me before, Brie, about a writing group. Yes. I think you have to have your people. Your people make all the difference because you can cry with them. You can celebrate with them. You can boost them when they're having a downtime. I think if you can find a good, supportive writing group, there's nothing stopping you. Well, well thank you for calling us out on not having our writers group meeting in a long time. <laughs> in a long time. I was about to say, Aaron, I guess we got to get back on it. Yeah. <laughs> I, did. I, I, was been... not, I was not prompted for that, by the way. I know. <laughs> I was doing so good. And then I started this course for yeah. certification. And I'm like mm -hmm. now two classes away from finishing my master's. Congratulations. Thank you. I thought about it a lot, but recently the past couple of days, I think because I need somewhere else for my brain to go when yeah. I step away from at the end of the day, it's just been on my mind so much. And I'm like, yeah. you, even if it's a page, I just need yeah. to do something. Exactly. I think exactly. it'll be good for me. So oh, well, definitely. Yeah. Well, it's really easy to walk away. Don't do it. Don't do yes. it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, are you currently working on anything that you can tell us about? Oh, well, I am finishing up the second, um, The Must Love Bees, which is um, Astrid's book. Okay. So, um, and it's it's a, a hero we have not met before, but I'm totally writing A Grumpy Sunshine, which I love. Because um, uh, he is, oh my gosh, I've, I've never really... I mean, I have one cowboy back in baboons that was kind of archer, was kind of quiet and off kilter and didn't really like to talk a lot. Multiply that times 10 for Charlie. Um, okay. His name is, see if you can get the inspiration for my character. His name is Charlie Adam Driver. <laughs> so, um, you know, I'm going to call him Charlie, but once or twice his full name will come, it will be out. And I know everyone will be like, yes, um, because, you know, he's just, yeah. He's awesome. So um, he is this totally awkward, broken kind of, I don't know. I've never written anybody who's um, as uncertain of himself and yet refuses to show that. So it has been a very um, challenging part for me because, again, with me, as you can tell from watching my face, what you see is what you get. Charlie is like, he is, no, no one's going to know what's going on within um, inside him. And Astrid, you know, you meet her in the first book and she's kind of earth mother. You know, she's just... Mm -hmm sweet and loving and supportive and adorable. Um, so yeah, the, the grumpy sunshine thing has been a lot of fun. Um, yeah. And I hope, uh, of course, Charlie, I don't want to give too much weight, but Charlie has um, two little girls and he's only had them. I think the oldest one is 12 and the youngest one is five because you got to have you know, the cute five-year-old. Um, he was married for two years and the, the mom, uh, he was married to two years for her. He was married to her for two years and then she passed. And he is now their 
their legal guardian. And he has no clue, none um, about these girls. So they're just, they're awesome. And I love them. Um, and they're all just kind of, you just want them to be like, it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. But, um, yeah. He, he pushes back a lot. And of course there's bees involved in a, a bee summer camp. So that the girls get all excited and Astrid's so awesome. Of course, she's going to include them in things. And you get to see what um, Dane and Tansy are up to, which is kind of fun after the first oh, yeah. book. He's kind of bringing her around and talking to her about agritourism. So we'll have developments there. And yeah, so um, good stuff. Good stuff. I can't wait. Awesome. And I have a, another special edition that'll be out in October. Um, and I, oh my gosh, I believe it's called. <laughs> like, I can't remember which order it is. <laughs> Snowbound Cowboy Christmas, I believe. So it's a Christmas story. And guess what? They're snowbound. <gasps> um, but I we love, love a snowbound <laughs> romance. <laughs> Snowbound, and we have dogs and baby puppies, like little tiny puppies. So, what more do you need? I'm just saying. Cannot wait. You're a busy woman, Sasha Summers. (laughs) (laughs) Well, lastly, where can everyone follow you online? Um, Well, I'm everywhere. I'm Sasha Summers author on Facebook. I am at Sasha.Summers on Instagram. Um, I don't really do Twitter. I'm there, but I'm not really there. But if you're there, go for it. It's um, at Sasha Writes. And TikTok, just Sasha's summer. uh, It's Sasha writes romance, Um, but you don't have. I don't know. I shouldn't say don't follow me there because I want people to follow me there. But (laughs) go follow (laughs) Sasha on TikTok, listeners. It's good. It's good. So um, yeah. So I'm I'm there, and I'm on of course um, BookBub and um, Goodreads too. So okay. Well, we will have links to all of the places that listeners can keep up with you. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Thank you for letting us see your cute little puppy. And (laughs) we can't, you have to come back. I mean, you have more books coming out, so please come back. I'll happily come back. I would love that. Thank you. All right, listeners, make sure you check the show notes. Again, we'll have links to all the places you can keep up with the incredible Sasha Summers, as well as all the places that you can get her books. Um, Make sure that you, you know, hashtag read category romance. And Aaron and I will chat with you in our next episode. Have a lovely day, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. Bye. Bye.